0: agenda a voice in the desert now here's crystal heath hey las vegas what's happening it is thursday welcome to the friddle show the day that we talk about all the things and i upload this pronouncements of my thoughts to the interwebs you can find my podcast on soundcloud and itunes if you are so inclined to go back and listen to past news about things in the past or you're just like hey I know you interviewed this cool person once upon a time. I want to go listen to that cool person. I have interviewed some cool people in the past, some very cool people, actually. So that may be worth going over and checking out our SoundCloud or uh, iTunes page just for those. But regardless, welcome to the program. I am Crystal Heath. Great to have you here with us today. We're broadcasting from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas, where you can join us on Sunday mornings, 930 or 1115 at 6501 West Lakeview Boulevard or online by visiting our website at experienceliberty.com. Alright, are you ready for the latest news that I feel like talking about? Because that's what we do on this program, if you're new here. Um, The president has been making some concessions to Democrats, or is trying to make concessions uh, to Democratic leadership in the House and the Senate in hopes of getting his border wall funded and ending the government shutdown, which is now the longest in history. So, uh, here's what's essentially going on. The president has offered three years of deportation protections Uh, for some immigrants in exchange for $5.7 billion in border wall funding. Now, uh, (laughs) what's ironic about this is that neither side feels that this is a good compromise um, overall. And by neither side, I don't necessarily mean Republicans or Democrats. I mean, like, hardcore leftists and uh, conservatives. Sometimes you find both of those in Democrat and Republican circles. Sometimes you do not. So you have hardcore Democrats that are like, yeah, no, no thanks. We don't want uh, three years of protection for some uh, immigrants. We would like all the things. And uh, just giving us some of what we want is not going to be enough. And then you have conservatives who are saying, um why are we essentially giving amnesty to one billion immigrants, uh, illegal immigrants in this country, in order to get the wall? It seems somewhat counterintuitive. But the president is attempting to end the more-than-a-month-long-now shutdown. He is saying, hey, let's negotiate this and then we can reopen the government. And Democrats are saying, we will not talk to you about this until you reopen the government. So you can kind of see... Uh, The standstill. Uh, You know, it's a compromise on both sides. I am honestly surprised at how much the president is offering, and I'm surprised that the Democrats aren't taking this. Except, except, Democrats know that if they can get the government reopened, then there's no prerogative for them to need to do something uh, whereby they would allow any sort of concession to the president for his wall. So if they can just get the government reopened, then at this point they know what they want on immigration isn't going to get through the Senate, and uh, so why would they give the president his wall without, uh, with the government, basically if they can just get the government open, then they get what they want essentially. Whereas the president and those arguing on his behalf know the same thing. Once the government opens, the Democrats have no motivation uh, to get the president's wall funding through the House because if the government is reopened, they can just be like, "Yeah, no thanks. So Democrats are saying, no, if you just open it, then we'll talk about it. And the president's saying, let's talk about it now and then we'll open it. And so we have this epic stalemate going on. Now, let's, let's remember, if Republicans had maintained control of the Congress, this would be a non-issue. Because, essentially, what we would hope is that Paul Ryan or whomever had been the House leader would have worked with the President to make something happen. But before anybody gets too mad at Democrats, let us remember that Republicans had two years, that they did a lot of good in those two years, but there's so much more that they could have done, and probably the largest oversight, no, not probably, for sure, the largest oversight, well, one, Obamacare did not get overturned, but two, the president's main campaign promise that he is known for is that he's going to build a wall, oh, and by the way, Mexico's going to pay for it, which that part isn't even a thing now, but um, that he's going to build a wall. So you got to get that done. Like, you have control of Congress, you, that's something that has to be in your to-do list for the first t- two years of your term, while you know for sure that you have Congress. Uh, this is becoming an issue because we are about to face a midterm, or, or excuse me, not a midterm election, we're about to face another uh, presidential election. The presidential election is going to be in full swing uh, next year, the campaigning, the, the everything, um, because it is the presidential election next year. It's hard to believe. I can't even... I can't even wrap my mind around that fact. Like, next year, it all begins again. Which, by the way, fun fact, Ben Shapiro is ranked number three behind, like, if Republicans (laughs) were going to pick somebody uh, to be the GOP nominee. It's Trump, then Pence, then Ben Shapiro. Just a fun fact for you. Um, But uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has said that he is going to put the president's proposal on the Senate floor for a vote in the coming week. Uh, Trump is saying that's great. We have a compassionate response. We can work this out. And uh, though many conservatives are decrying this concession, the GOP members of Congress are pretty much just going along with it saying that uh, if this gets the wall, then so be it. So we'll see this this is this is by the way a, a about face uh, for the president. He had ordered an end to the uh, the DACA program in two thousand and seventeen. Courts mostly blocked him. Uh, current DACA beneficiaries are basically protected by courts until about 2020. So, really, um, that's another reason why Democrats aren't overly thrilled about this proposal because courts have essentially protected what they want out of DACA anyway uh, for the next uh, several years. The president's proposal will just take it a little bit, uh, a little bit further. So, I don't know. I don't know. I. It, it, as a conservative i'm not um I'm not thrilled with these concessions, but I understand why he is making these, and as a conservative, understanding that the courts have essentially already done what the president is proposing, he's just adding a year onto it, it doesn't bug me as much when I wrap my head around the fact that okay, he's not actually really changing anything because this is what the court already decided. But that also gives you a little bit of a glimpse into why Democrats are like, why would we do that? We already have that. So we're <laughs> we just have this continuing standstill. Meanwhile, you have roughly 800,000 non-essential uh, government employees that are suffering. For a moment, can we just think through the fact that we have 800,000 non-essential government employees? Now, I'm not going after anybody's job or saying that I would want anyone to not have a job. But I, I don't know of any company that has anywhere near that many non-essential employees. Now, I'm sure they maybe exist somewhere. But that's a lot of non-essential employees. Anyway, um, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that my job is not deemed non-essential, aren't you? Imagine if your company had non-essential positions. Would your job be essential? And then put yourself in these people's shoes. It just, it's just continuing to fuel the political, partisan division and everything that, uh, that has been plaguing our country for so long. So long. And you're like, yeah, but what do you think? What should we do? I, I think we should build a wall. How that happens, I don't know. Because you, you have to get funding for this thing. I think that we have so many, I talked about this last week. There are so many things that our government spends money on that we could just stop spending money on. Like, there are some things that probably, like, if, okay, let me put it this way if we are able to find. 800,000 non-essential employees that we can just furlough until we reopen the government, surely, surely we can find some non-essential items, line items, in the budget that maybe we can just get rid of altogether. Like, that seems like such a better solution in the long run. And really, if you just eliminate some line items that we don't need, like researching the effects of cocaine on moths, I'm sorry, but maybe we could maybe we could take that out and maybe we could take that money and use that to build a wall. My my thought is that's where I would go with this. But, you know, I'm not a politician, so probably I'm just not smart enough to figure it out. I I'm I'm thinking let's just go through the budget and say, you know what, we don't need this. We don't need this. We don't need this. We don't need this. And not necessarily things that would get democrats upset. Okay? I'm not saying that we should go and we should slash uh, Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security, or whatever else, maybe we need to look at parts of that, but I don't think that's where you get a solution here. I think that you cut things that are non essential in the budget outside of those areas, and believe me, they exist all right? Maybe we don't need to make a movie for the people of Afghanistan of hollywood uh of Hollywood uh proportions maybe we don't. Is that a nice thing for us to do? Sure. Yes. And maybe someday we can do that again, but you know, we could save those millions of dollars or just let those, uh, those, the, the, the church that does like the fireproof moves, let them make one. I'm sure it would be cheaper and probably more wholesome. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Like, let's just, let's just look at the things that we do and be like, okay. And I guarantee you, if you, if you made a list of these non-essential things in the budget, again, don't even, don't even, just just for the sake of argument, don't touch Medicare, don't touch Medicaid, don't touch Social Security, don't touch education, don't touch that stuff, okay? The things that we know are hot-button items that we're never going to agree on, just leave them out of the conversation. Just go through, pull out the things. You can use Senator Rand Paul's, um, um, what is his thing that he does, his airing of grievances. You can just go through his book. And almost come up with enough money to uh, to pay for this wall. Just by cutting the things that he's like, these are ridiculous. And if you outline these things for the American people, be like, these things are pretty dumb. We could take this money and fund the wall and reopen the government and end the whole conversation. Is To me, that's how you do it. That's how you solve this problem. But again, I'm not in Washington, D.C., And uh, I don't think the president listens to my podcast, not because I haven't tried to get him to listen or be a guest on my podcast. Actually, I I could have interviewed him back uh, in like 2012, 2010 or 2012, like before there was ever a presidential run. And I declined the opportunity, which now, you know, I regret. There are a few things in my life which I regret. I don't regret it a whole lot because at the time it just didn't make sense to me and I wasn't a big fan um, and I just, I, I had other things to do with that time. Um, anyway, that's another story that you don't need to know right now. But that's, that's what I would do. So if anyone has the ear of people in power that you would like to pass along my suggestion, I t- I, I'm not claiming it in any way, shape, or form. You can, and you can propose that. You can even propose that to Democratic legislatures. Legislatures? Yeah, no legislators, and uh, maybe they can work on that themselves. I don't know. That's just my thoughts. Now you're up to date on the shutdown. When we return, we will talk about other crazy things happening in our country that need to be discussed. All right? All right. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL, 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Hey, by the way, congratulations. I haven't said it this week, but if you're listening to this program... You, like most of the rest of the world, have survived the super blood wolf moon eclipse end of the world drama that was happening earlier this week. I did get a chance to see it. It wasn't super visible. Like, you need to live somewhere where there's actually, you know, stars and stuff and not bright lights beaming into the sky. Like we have here in Las Vegas to get an ideal uh, look at it. But we were able to see, we saw the beginning of it. So when the bottom half of the moon was getting dark and like the upper half was red it was kind of cool it was kind of cool not gonna lie um hadn't seen one in a while I don't usually stay up to look at them because they're or wake up to look at them because they're usually in the middle of the night but this one happened to be while I was still awake it began so I was like well I'll look at it as it's beginning and then uh, I think I think I may have gone back to look at it but it was already fully darkened by that time so you didn't really have um anything to look at at that point just a darkness in the sky so that's the part I never really get like when the moon goes dark I don't understand the fascination there I get when it turns colors like when it's different colors that's kind of cool or when you can see like half of it or you can watch it like get dark and then reappear but when you're just looking at the sky and it's just darkness and there's the moon is just dark I don't I don't get that fascination Like, it's still there. It's just basically behind a cloud. I know it's not actually the clouds. I'm just saying. It's kind of like when the sun goes behind a cloud. Nobody stands outside and is like, Oh, look at the cloud has covered the sun. It is amazing. Shall it reappear? And and then, you know what? It does. And everybody's like, wow. No, nobody does that. Because we all know it's the sun and it's just behind a cloud. That's how I feel... When it's just an eclipse and the moon just gets dark. Like, it's the the moon. You know what's going on. And it'll be right back in like an hour or two or whatever. However long it takes, right? Anyway, okay. I don't know why I started thinking about that. But congratulations on surviving the wolf blood super eclipse end of the world moon thing that happened earlier this week. You know what else survived potential end of the world drama this week? Second Lady Karen Pence's job at a private Christian school. You may have missed it, but late last week, the, uh, the media and those on the far left were just f- positively freaking out over the fact that our Second Lady is now teaching at a school where uh, they have to... School employees have to pledge that they believe that marriage is between one man and one woman and that they won't uh, promote transgender identity or anything of the transgender uh, movement or uh, participate in homosexual or lesbian uh, activities. The school also requires the parents of students to sign an agreement that the school can deny admission ...to a student or remove a student if their behavior or their lifestyle is in opposition to the biblical lifestyle that the school teaches. This is not in any way abnormal for a Christian school. In fact, it's a very uh, normal occurrence for many Christian schools today. Um, And the fact that anyone would take issue with the Pences, who are known to be uh, strong Christians... And I believe if I'm not mistaken that uh Karen Pence had either previously taught at this school or another like it like this has already been a thing she's just going back to uh back to teaching there that that this would be considered an issue should be uh offensive like if you if you want something to actually be offended about when we live in a country where we have religious freedom, then teaching at a Christian school Christian meaning they abide by biblical principles, and that they have their employees and those that attend there say that they also agree to and will live their lives by biblical principles, and then you have people online and in in media saying that this is absolutely the most outrageous thing they've heard of that someone who is a Christian, who lives their life by biblical principles, will go to work at a school that is Christian, that abides by biblical principles, and in doing so, sign a pledge that they are a Christian that will live by biblical principles. Do, do we see the problem here? Like, it's just outrageous. The vice president gave an interview Uh, where he said, my wife and I have been in the public eye for quite a while, but I have to tell you, to see major news organizations attacking Christian education is deeply offensive. We have a rich tradition in America of Christian education, and frankly, religious education broadly defined. We celebrate it. The freedom of religion is enshrined in the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution prohibits a religious test for holding public office, so we'll let the critics roll off our back, but this criticism of Christian education in America should stop. And he's exactly right. And I think uh, uh, something that he said in his interview is something that's been overlooked in this whole issue. Like, there's been a lot of outcry as to, you know, Karen Pence herself and her being part of this, and is this appropriate for someone who is representing uh, our nation? And then you have those that are defending Karen Pence herself. But what we should also be looking at is not just the issue of what's happening with Mrs. Pence, and the outcry against her and for her, from both sides, but Christian education itself, the, the criticism of Christian education, the, the thought that the very idea of a Christian school saying that they will have their employees and their students adhere to biblical teaching is outrageous, that should be more of a cause of concern, I believe, than the fact that anyone would take issue to Mrs. Pence having this job. I mean, look, they're in the public spotlight. It's the vice president's wife. Anything and everything they do is always going to be analyzed, overanalyzed, and then reanalyzed again just for the fun of it. But Christian schools themselves are being now questioned, are being put under the spotlight. People are saying, hey, how come schools are allowed to do this? And and you're going to see, I believe, soon, things happening with Christian schools similar as what we've seen seeing, what we've seen seeing, no, been seeing, uh, in, in in churches and in different organizations where if you don't agree with someone's lifestyle and so you won't allow them to have, say, a service in your facility, uh, that has become an issue for some. Or, say, you don't want to make a cake because that cake is celebrating something which you are uh, have a moral, religious objection to. Christian schools... I think could be a next new, fairly significant target. Now, I, I don't understand, unless they have like an amazing football team, why you would want your child to go to a school that teaches something that would be diametrically opposed to what you would believe if you wouldn't be able to sign something like what this school does. But that's neither here nor there. It's It's the same type of thing with why would you want to get married in a church that is opposed to what you're doing anyway. There's just the outrage culture uh, that we live in. But we have good Christian schools. There are good Christian men and women all throughout this country doing great things for the kingdom of God. And schools like this one where Karen Pence is teaching, she's going to be teaching art at manual Christian School in Springfield, Virginia. Uh, The fact that, you know, we have the ability still in this country to educate our children as we deem Best is huge. Throughout history, that has not been the norm. Even throughout our own country's history, that has not been the norm. Uh, And it may not be the norm in the future. And I hope that you will take advantage of the opportunities we have to educate our children in this country in the way that we see best uh, fit to do so. So whether that be, you know, whether that be homeschooling, whether that be uh, charter schooling online, or or sending your child to a public school or whether that be a Christian school whatever it is I hope that you are making the best educational decisions for your children I hope that you are investing in your children's lives they're going to spend more time at school than they're going to spend with you during the school year so I hope that you are making sure that you know what they are being taught and you know what maybe homeschooling is not for you that's cool maybe Christian school is not for you but you need to make sure that you know what's going on at your kids schools you need to know who their teachers are and you need to know what they're being taught and then you might need to do some reteaching and if you can afford it send your kids to Christian school if you can handle it, homeschool your kids if, if you have the ability take advantage of the things that we have been given, we have a great Christian school here at Liberty, uh, Liberty Baptist Academy, Pastor Shore or any of our teachers would I'm without doubt would love to talk to you about that I think there's some, something going on with enrollment soon or even now. I don't know. I am not. <laughs> I went to Christian school through fourth grade. Um, and uh, my favorite class was gym class. But I never really knew anything about the whole enrollment process. That was something my parents did. And then I was homeschooled. So the whole enrollment thing, I have no idea what's going on with that. I mean, I did go to college and stuff, so I'm sure it's similar. But all I'm saying is, don't ask me. If you live here in Las Vegas and you're interested in our in our Christian school that is awesome, we would love to talk with you about that, just not me personally because I really have no idea what's going on there um, talk to uh, talk to Pastor Shore you can call the school office at seven zero two six four seven four five two two anyway I need to move on from that because I feel like I'm going to be incessantly mocked uh, for that um, that moment there we're gonna we're going to take a break when we return there has been calls for a ban on teenagers wearing certain hats because hats apparently lead to violence if only we had known this imagine the worldwide conflicts that could have been avoided if we had just known that it is in fact hats that lead to violence don't go away that intriguing segment coming up next All right, so before we jump into this issue of hats causing world change all on their own, I want to make those of you who are here in Nevada aware of a really, really cool opportunity that's coming up. So our friends over at Wall Builders, David Barded and Rick Green, um, they they are offering something it's actually through Rick Green uh, specifically but he's affiliated with wall builders he's on our wall Builders live program that you can listen to here on the station every uh, Monday through Friday afternoon but he is uh, he is putting together a group to come out to uh, to front site firearms training up in Perump. now a lot of you are familiar with front site this isn't an ad in any way this is just a uh, something I wanted to make those of you that already live here in Nevada aware of, because I know a lot of you uh, are interested in Front Sight, interested in the training. Their two day training is normally a thousand dollars, but Rick Green is bringing a group out to Front Sight to do firearm their two day course and a constitutional class combined. So it's a it's a Front Sight court plus a constitutional course. Um, it's normally a thousand bucks just for the two day training. But if you go with Rick Green's group on February 22nd and 23rd, you get the training and the constitution course for $99. That is an incredible, like I just, I love good deals. And if I wasn't working, I would so, so be there except I'm going to be working and I don't have vacation days that I can use for this, unfortunately, but if I did, this is how I would use them because FrontSight is a phenomenal firearms uh, training uh, institute and Rick Green is one of the greatest constitutional minds that we have in our entire country in my opinion and so the opportunity to get uh, teaching from him uh, plus instructions in firearm usage proper firearm use uh, at the same time and at that like a tenth of the cost literally is an amazing amazing deal so you can visit his website just go to rickgreen.com his front page of his website right now uh, i believe is all about this if it's not you can just go uh, just type in rickgreen.com and then front slash uh, front site so the slash and then front site F R O N T S I G H T. com slash front Again, not an ad, just something that uh, if I was able to, I would want to take part of it and wanted to make sure that you were aware of that because for us, uh, you know, a lot of these people are going to be traveling here from Texas and stuff. For us, it's just an hour away. So, a great, great opportunity if that's something you're interested in, visit RickGreen.com. All right, so now back to the truly pressing issue of teenagers that wear hats and how hats. Uh, are a danger and a threat to our country and our communities. So, um, Representative John Yarmuth, a Democrat from Kentucky, tweeted out, quote, I am calling for a total and complete shutdown of teenagers wearing Make America Great Again hats until we can figure out what is going on. They seem to be poisoning young minds. Now, he quote-tweeted that with a story about the Native American uh, leader who was taunting uh, the young men from Covington Catholic, and then that was turned around, and everybody was like, look at this terrible child taunting this Native American tribal leader. Okay, um, aside from that whole issue... First of all, so many people rushed to judgment in that situation and accused this kid and his friends of some really terrible, terrible things that they should never have been accused of. uh, When in reality, they were, in fact, at least the young man that was standing there smirking, was in fact more realistically being bullied by this tribal leader than that he was bullying the tribal leader himself. Now, it's a whole other issue of whether or not you would want to raise a child who would stand there smirking rather than just avoiding the situation. And that's, you know, I, uh, I've i seen a lot of people talking about this kid, talking about his parenting. I don't, what would you do? What would you do if there was some guy um, beating a drum and chanting in your face? Like, would you would you stand there? Because in conviction you thought that you should just stay put. Would you get out of the way? What kind of expression would be on your face while this is going on? I I don't know. I try when things like this happen to put myself in this kid's shoes. Like, if I was 16 years old and I I, I don't know what I would do. What would you do? What would your 16-year-old self do? Or your 16-year-old child do? I feel that's maybe something we should think about before we rush to judgment either way on this kid. Whether it's something he should have done, whether or not he should have not uh, not smiled at his face, like, what What expression should he have had? Like, if he had had a... a I, I don't know. I don't know what kind of face you're supposed to make when this is happening. I don't know what's going through this kid's mind. I think that the reaction to this event from both sides, honestly, has been outrageous. Like, there's... Okay, you don't need to be suing people for... Repro- I, but maybe you should. I don't know. I don't know. Like, it just seems so ridiculous to me. Why uh if I'm this kid, like I would try to just you know I would probably do an interview with Ben Shapiro if he wanted one. There's a couple other outlets I might do an interview with if they wanted one, and then probably just let it go. I don't, but that's not me either, so yeah, he's been defamed so he could have defamation suits, maybe that is something he should pursue. People are gonna have different opinions on that, but to be to be responding with let's just say fighting fire with fire in this situation doesn't seem wise to me and that seems like what is happening more often than not especially on social media and especially when it comes to situations like this and then you have the other side which though videos emerge that prove that this kid is not in any way taunting this guy or or antagonizing him he's literally just standing there while he's being essentially bullied himself <sighs> It's unbelievable that that this kid and his fellow classmates aren't even able to go to school this week because their school has received so many threats because of this situation. And now this tweet of maybe, you know, we we should just teenagers should not be allowed to wear Make America Great Again hats because they're poisoning young minds. Yes, of course, that's it. If only we had known about the hats previously, we would have been able to solve all world problems. Hats are clearly the problem. That red is a very triggering color. And the fact that it says Make America great again, horrors, why would we want to be want to be great? It's ridiculous. <sighs> but lest you jump to one side or the other and be like, this is why I'm a Republican or this is why I'm a Democrat, let's remember that we don't need to Uh, label people with their political affiliation, and that doing so is pretty dangerous, and that jumping to conclusions when it comes to anything is unwise. For example, take this. A Florida Democrat has proposed a bill to ensure that Bible classes are available in public schools. From faithwire.com. I'll give that to you one more time, just in case you're, you're picking yourself up off the floor right now. A Florida Democrat has proposed a bill to ensure that Bible classes are available in public schools. Yes, Representative Kimberly Daniels proposed Florida House Bill 195, which would require, quote, each school district to offer specified courses relating to religion, Hebrew scriptures, and the Bible to certain students as elective courses. The bill also specifies the allowance of a brief meditation period, a.k.a. prayer, adding that the Florida Department of Education must include the courses in the course code directory. Obviously, the new legislation would be in line with current federal guidelines regarding religious neutrality in places of public education, and if the legislation is passed, it would go into effect on July 1st, 2019. Interesting. So you have a Democrat in Florida who is trying to ensure that Bible classes are available in public schools doesn't always line up with some of the narrative that we're given about Democrats in general, right? And this is where you need to be careful, because there's a difference between liberals and Democrats. There's a difference between conservatives and Republicans. And sometimes these lines overlap, but they don't always. Here's another good example of this. Uh, This passed earlier this week. I think it was on Monday or Tuesday of this week. I think it was Monday of this week. Um, Fox News showed a graphic that appeared to announce the death of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, is in no way gone from the earth. She is still with... And to put this out on national TV, uh, it's, it's pretty big faux pas, and it kind of makes you go, uh, how do you make that mistake? Now, granted... Every news media outlet, whether you like it or not, they already have these things ready because something could happen at any moment and they need to be able to put this stuff up on the screen, right? So for example, you may have noticed after the Patriots uh, beat the the Chiefs, they're all wearing uh, Patriots AFC championship gear. They didn't just print that in the 30 seconds between when the game ended and when they were all wearing it on the field. No, those are pre-made so that if that situation happens, they're ready to go. Same thing. Uh, in this situation with Fox News, but the fact that you would... Ha- th- like, this is just a an astronomical uh, mistake. And, and Fox News apologized for it, but, you know, sometimes media outlets make mistakes. Sometimes we are led to believe things that aren't necessarily true. Sometimes even the media, even media that we would consider good media, dep- whichever side you're on, can be misleading, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And it is up to us as individuals to take a step back, to be willing to look at the whole picture before rushing to judgment. And I'd encourage you, uh, don't go on social media and, and, and give a rash reaction to something unless you know the entire story. Even then you shouldn't give a rash reaction to anything, but just just take a step back, try to separate yourself from the situation, from the initial gut feeling that you have, and make a legitimate uh, uh, argument for whatever point it is that you think the world needs to hear. all right don't Don't rush into things. Don't be saying that hats are the cause of world conflict, or or that the world's going to end in 12 years, or that um, somebody should be or 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 put up a picture that someone is 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 dead because you just you know you you heard that somewhere. So I'm just gonna go ahead and tweet this out. No, just just verify, like trust but verify. Reagan was a wise man. He said this, and it is something worth living by. All right. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to end today with a, uh, a tragic uh, story that has a, a hopeful ending. So we're going to end with that today. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. All right, our final story of the day comes from faithwire.com, one of my favorite news websites. So a lot of things you won't find other places you can find at Faithwire, things related to uh, the Christian life, Christian living, Christians around the country, and things that are going on uh, with them. It's a great site if you've never been there before. But uh, this one is a story about the faith-filled legacy of a teen who was involved in a church bus crash uh, that has sparked a Bible-reading challenge on a national level. So the story is, is this. A Kansas teen who was killed in a horror church bus crash last year continues to live on as a result of her unshakable trust in Christ and love of the Bible. Hannah Foy, age 14, was killed last August in, in Missouri when the van she was traveling and experienced a tire blowout and veered off the road. Two other teams were also killed after the vehicle flipped over and hit a tree. A faith-filled young woman, one day before her death, Hannah had excitedly explained to her mom that she had just finished reading through her entire Bible. She turned to me and she said, guess what, Mom? Jennifer Foy told WDAF-TV. She had this excitement in her eye and I said, what? And she said, Mom, I finished the Bible. That was really exciting because she'd finished a week early and in that moment I was just so proud of her and I told her when she got back that we would celebrate. Just 24 hours later, Jennifer received a text that is the greatest fear of all parents. Her daughter was dead. How could it be, Foy said, how could it be that I saw her the day before and now she wasn't there? And now I'll never see her again. I was just crying out to the Lord. Despite the abject devastation of losing her precious daughter, Jennifer has decided to use Hannah's legacy and love of God's word for good. She recalls Hannah's wonderful enthusiasm and excitement of finishing her year-long Bible plan a week early and decided to use her daughter's funeral to issue a challenge to her friends. Can they read the entire Bible in the space of one year? Jennifer explained that Hannah had previously declared that the 12 months prior to her death were the best of her life. I believe part of that was because she was reading the Bible, Foy said. I think that that transforms our hearts and our minds, and her having that daily read, I think that puts our hearts in a good perspective in living our lives. Now Hannah's best year ever challenge has really started to take off. Uh, It's become a national trend, and Jennifer says the success of the challenge has given her a lot of joy. She said it's wonderful to know that through Hannah's death, something good is coming from it. I think that she would love nothing more than to know that so many people are in God's word every day because of her. Now, whether it be Hannah's story that inspires you or just your own desire, you are never too young or too old to start reading through the bible maybe you can do it in a year maybe it'll take you 2 years but i encourage you if you've never read through your bible before this is a great uh, time to start we're still in january you can still you can start now and finish next january this is this is an exercise that my parents encouraged for my siblings and i when we were very young and uh, if you've never done it, the sense of accomplishment that you will have after you have read through your Bible uh, will be incredible. There are Bible apps that can help you read through the Bible in a year. There are uh, online Bible reading plans that you can do. There are printouts of Bible reading plans. You can do a chronological Bible uh, if you want. You can, you can actually buy a physical Bible that's broken down into, uh, into 365 readings. So you can read through your Bible uh, in a year that way if you would like to do so. But it's really just a good exercise and a great way uh, to set your focus, to give you an obtainable, achievable, really cool goal for the year. You know, I, I love, I I try to read through the Bible every year. Some years I haven't, but uh, this is a practice I started, like I said, when I was 11 years old. My parents started this, and I've tried to read through the Bible every year. Not every year of my life have I accomplished it, but if I don't, then I just keep going until I finish it, and then I start again. So, um, And it's amazing to me, no matter how many times you read an account in the Bible, every time you read it, it's like there's something new. There's something you didn't see before. There's a question you didn't ask before. Like, for example, okay, this one is not deeply theological in any sense of the word. I did have deep theological thoughts about this passage, but alas, as I only have three minutes left in the program, there's no time for me to get into them. But I was reading the other day, uh, where Jesus comes walking on the water to the disciples, and Peter's like, "Hey, if it's you, uh, have me come out of the boat unto you and walk on the water." And so Peter walks on water. He looks away. He sinks. And Jesus is like, "Why did you, why did why did you ha- why did you doubt, Peter?" So okay, uh, I'll give you uh, all right. Real quick, couple thoughts that I had theologically speaking. Jesus never said, "What are you doing, stupid? Why do you think you're walking on water?" No, he's like, "Why did you doubt?" He didn't say you shouldn't have gotten out of the boat. He just said, why'd you doubt? Um, but, okay, here's the thought that got me more than, than the theological ones that I was thinking. And I had about, like, six different theological thoughts. Just so you know how spiritual I am. <clears throat> but, <laughs> but my thought, my overwhelming thought was not one of my theological thoughts that I hadn't thought of before related to this passage. But it was okay, Peter's, when when right they see Jesus walking on the water toward them... They assume it's a ghost, and Jesus is like, no, it's me. And Peter's like, if it's really you, tell me to come out to you on the water. Here's the thing. Like, if you don't actually think it's Jesus, right? So, so if it is a ghost or a spirit or, or whatever kind of evil being you think is approaching you on the water, why would you think it would be honest with you or have any care for your well-being? Like if it is an evil creature that is somehow portraying itself as Jesus walking on water or whatever, and you say, "If it's you, bid me come unto you on the water," like that's 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 not why. If it's something that would have you be harmed, it's gonna be like, "Yeah, come on, Peter." You see what I'm saying? Like that was just a that was not a that was not a good that was not a good fleece that was not a good litmus test. (laughs) It was <laughs> that's that's not something you should try at home, folks. Don't be like, all right, if it's you, Jesus, have me do this. Tell me to do this, and the, like, because what if it's not Jesus? That if it was something that wished them evil, of course it's going to tell him to come out of the boat because it knows he's going to sink. Fortunately for Peter, it was Jesus, and we all know the rest of the story. Peter gets back in the boat, and. Uh, The winds and the waves are calmed, and everyone lives happily ever after, at least for a few years. Then we have the crucifixion, but it's okay because then there's the resurrection, and then everybody lives happily ever after again for a few years, except then uh, we have brutal persecution of Christians and martyrdom of apostles. But the gospel is spread throughout the entire uh, earth, and the world is turned upside down. And now we are living 2,000-some years later, enjoying being a family of God, together and you can join us as we celebrate our family-ness on sunday at nine thirty and eleven fifteen here at liberty 6501 west lake mead boulevard is our address come join us for our morning service we'd love to have you here that's all the time i have left for today you can find this episode and past episodes of the frittle show on soundcloud and itunes just search the frittle show and it'll take you right to it we'll be back tomorrow fun friday gonna try and give some stuff away with some good trivia questions so make sure your little trivias uh minds are warmed up and ready to go and we will see you then have a great day everyone